Hi and welcome to the latest episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name is Rian Gladman and I manage the Behaviour Change Programme here at the LGA. Um, and as you know, the aim of this podcast series is to really demystify behavioural insights and help councils to share their learning from their practical projects uh, that you can then pick up and try within your own council. We understand that our councillors and our officers are, are very busy at the moment and so we pr- what we want to do here is to provide some key practical learning points from councils across the country um, that you can then use and, and try within your own area. Okay, so today, slightly differently from our usual podcast, we have two Uh, speakers today on our podcast which is fantastic so I'm joined today by Nicola Jones and Rory McGill from Wirral Council thank you guys for spending the time with us today thanks for having us yeah great to be here good stuff good stuff so um, what I'll probably start by doing is if you could just introduce yourselves and and your role at the council um, that'd be a great place to start Nicola can I start with you please Yes, yeah, so my name's Nikki Jones and I'm one of um, a senior manager within the public health team in Wirral. I've worked in Wirral for over 15 years now in the public health team. Um, very much my background is around working with the local community voluntary and faith sector and local communities. I've used Insight a lot over the last seven years to help sort of guide our public health programmes and the way we work. So really interested in sort of the voice of the community being heard and really understanding people's behaviours. Brilliant. And thanks for your time today, Nikki. Really appreciate it. Rory? Yeah. Hi, I'm Rory McGill. So I'm a consultant in public health, currently based at Sefton Council, but I completed my training at Wirral Council um, and was directly involved with the the project that we're going to discuss today. But in a previous life before training to be a consultant, I did a PhD in psychology. um, And so I see that behavioural and social science is a way to merge the two skill sets. And uh, as a result, I'm the chair of the Northwest Behavioural Science Public Health Network also. Excellent stuff. Welcome both. Welcome both. Um, So I guess the key place I always start with these conversations is what was the behaviour you were trying to change in your project? So I think um, the behaviour that we tend to illustrate our shared approach with this is self-isolation support um, with the Communities Champions Programme. But I think actually if we take a step back and we talk about outcomes and behaviours and uh, identifying the differences between them both, because I think the Community Champions Programme has is a really good practical example of showing something that can be used to look at a lot of different behaviours that you're wanting to change, but you can do it in a way that's informed by the behavioural and social science. So what I mean by that is it was developed at pace and as a result of that, you know, we didn't have time at the time to be doing a a full combi analysis and understanding what interventions we'd want to develop using things like the trans theoretical framework and and TDF and all that. So what it meant was that we were able to pull our resources together and do things informed by broader principles of public or of behavioral science. So what I mean by that is the broader principles of things like um, addressing uncertainty. So just making sure that we are really clear and consistent in whatever comms that we were putting out. And again, illustrate it with that self-isolation uh, example, because at the time, if we cast our minds back, this was, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nikki, I think it was about September last year that we were um, rolling the Community Champions Programme out. So we didn't really have 
a lot in the way of a non-behavioural intervention. So the thing in our in our back pocket was behavioural insights and social science. So making sure that we were really clear in everything that we were saying and coordinating amongst all the different cells that were involved, because Wirral Council, like I'm assuming most councils, if not all across the country, were operating in that cell format and structure in the response to the pandemic. So it's really important that whenever you have uh, a really different way of working to make sure you're unifying that response um, and making sure that you're engaging with communities in an appropriate way. So I'm sure we'll get into the, the self-isolation example in more detail, but I thought it just worth to mention that those broader principles I think are quite useful for local authorities because they made it a bit more pragmatic in terms of, you know, I, th I think a lot of people get a bit apprehensive when they think, oh, we need to do a, an intervention informed by behavioural and social science, but actually there are ways to do it. That means it's really based and embedded within the local evidence base. I think that's a really important point to kick us off with Rory so thank you for that around yeah that maybe it's too complicated and what does it mean and what can we do with it in a situation as you've described within you know the pandemic where you needed to try things quickly um, and respond to you know emergency situations really in your local community that you're able to to crack on and, and try something so so specific project Nikki the specific behavior you were trying to change was so we were trying to increase adherence to the restrictions and increase people's knowledge in terms of what the restrictions were we know through the pandemic you know um, information was coming thick and fast from the government things were changing really rapidly so we wanted to ensure that the key messages were getting to the right people at the right times and I think just building on that point Rory's make I think as a as a council, we were quite well placed because back in January, we've been involved in the repatriation of British nationals from Wuhan. So we were almost a bit ahead of the game when COVID hit. I think the other thing that's really helped us is, like I say, said in the introduction, we've done a lot of work in the past sort of six to seven years with local communities. So we were able, we had them networks already established. We had them key contacts. So we were able to get the community champions up and running really quickly and we were able to get them key sort of messages out around adherence to guidance, restrictions, etc. So we were just really trying to, to make sure that people understood what the guidance was and we're adhering to them restrictions and guidance as it was coming. So in terms of obviously you started working with us on the LGA's Behavioural Insights Programme um, and it was a really key project for us because obviously councils across the country were, were struggling with this um, challenge as well. Um, so how did you go about gathering your insights and your research? So we did, um, we formed a local engagement group um with um engagement officers and we also had and i'll let nikki talk about the community connectors because that's something nikki's really closely involved with but i suppose if you think about it in two different strands so we had a proactive and a reactive method of collecting information and what we did was we would have um, briefing meetings every week and we would look at the local epidemiology and understand what our local intel, where quantitative information was telling us, you know, where were we having pockets of outbreaks in what demographics in what parts of the borough. And then within that, the more reactive sense of our engagement was that our engagement officers would then carry out some targeted insight collection. So that would be surveys and focus groups and we were able to then after a two week cycle 
embed whatever they found via our comms teams, but also double check then in a few weeks time to see if any changes had been made in the local epidemiology. So one example of that more reactive work was we noticed that we didn't have a high uptake of testing in men in the borough. So whenever we did this piece of work, while we did uncover some barriers to that, we actually saw an increase in testing just by the virtue of carrying out the work. So I think it says something about how important and valuable engaging with communities are, because if people feel heard, they're more likely to engage with what's happening at that local level. But, but then I think that that sits within this wider picture of engagement and insight collection with the community connectors in that more proactive sense. Yeah, so the connectors, we have uh, a team of over 40 community connectors who are employed by a local third sector organisation in Wirral, and their role is to go out and door knock and do that direct engagement with local communities. So they have been doing um, a number of tasks throughout the pandemic, um, um, supporting people to um, isolate um, through things like dog walking, prescription pickups, all the practical things to, to support people to isolate. But more critically, it's been that insight gathering, like Rory said, that's allowed us to sort of really ta tailor our comms messages because we really understand, you know, in terms of people's thoughts around the restrictions, thoughts about behaviours. So they've been been that direct contact and been able to engage with people and ask them, well, you know, have you been asked to, you know, when you've been contacted by Track and Trace, have you actually adhered to that? You know, are you following the guidance? So we've we've really had that sort of direct link with the community, which has been invaluable in terms of, so it's not just about us giving messages out and, and getting them key messages to communities. It's been a two-way process. And I think that's what's really been invaluable with the Community Champions Programme is that insight gathering back in, which has allowed us then to tailor our comms messages specifically for our local residents. I think, yeah, really important. And again, we've spoken on the podcast before about the importance of the messenger around behavioural science, like who is delivering those messages um, and that peer to peer messaging clearly in this case is working really well. So from a really practical point, the, the community connects, I'm just thinking of other councils who might be listening in thinking, oh, how do we organise that then? I know you've got the third sector party providing it but is it like on a ward by ward basis or you know how geographically have you sorted it yeah. across your borough? So it's it's um there's currently four connectors per ward area that's how we've okay. we and, and this this program has developed so it was originally commissioned in 2016 and we only started with 14 community connectors um and they, so that was mainly based on the east side of the borough, so sort of our more deprived areas to really target sort of our inequalities in the borough. But actually, we we had the programme independently evaluated by John Moore's University and the outcomes that it showed, not just in terms of health, but right across the whole system. Um, so, you know, impacting on children and families outcomes, impacting on housing, you know, all the other areas across the council in terms of measuring that impact and um, we were able to get some more funding so we doubled capacity in the team and then again through covid and the work that they've done we've been able to double capacity again so like i say we've got over 40 connectors so it's approximately four per ward and so you had the community connectors there pre-pandemic working on various things and so you had that sort of infrastructure ready to go when the the key messages of the pandemic hits um and it's the two-way thing around actually you were getting insights from them in the community yeah. those qualitative insights which then informed your comms but then they were the sort of 
voice of the council in the community is that correct yeah so they they were it was that two way so they could get them key messages back out we we developed sort of like a crib sheet for them to use as well so when they were out in the communities if they were asked sort of any difficult questions or you know needed to direct people to they, they had sort of like a crib sheet but also we've got the community champions so we so so like Rory said, we've got over 600 local residents signed up as well to be that sort of conduit for getting them key messages out. We've done, luckily we've done quite a big piece with residents around um, a bit of insight gathering in January 2020. And what that work told us was actually community anchor organisations are best place to get them key messages out rather than it coming from the council. Um, so again, just really using our community voluntary and faith sector as well to get some of them key messages out because the big thing that we've learned is obviously trust is a big issue with residents and actually they're more likely to trust some of them organizations than some of our statutory agencies so actually you know really using our networks and contacts to get them messages out i think that's a really good point as well nikki around that um more specific humanitarian response that we undertook at the time. So whenever we were developing these messages and collecting information via connectors and champions, we were filtering that through specialist boards of people who were representative of different groups. So we had a BAME subgroup, for example, um, with local leaders attached to local anchor institutions. And that way we were really trying to make sure that what we were saying was going to land well with local communities. And, and having that feedback loop of being able to see changes in your local epidemiology was quite rewarding. But I will say as well, and it sounds so stupid and practical, but I think it really works that there's already an established brand for those connectors, but also they tend to be very visible in communities. They've all got orange T-shirts. Everybody knows that that's your community connector and they tend to be someone that's from your area, from yeah. your street. So that trusted messenger is just it, it's the backbone for all of that work. And I think that Wirral has a, such a strong history of taking the time to work within the realms of social and behavioral science and having that underpin what gets carried out within communities and that just made it that transition a bit easier but i don't want to say that it was an easy transition because everything was happening at pace mm. uh, as it still is but yeah the infrastructure was there yeah, I think that, the other, sorry yeah i think the other thing about the champions because through this lga work we have done some sort of insight gathering from the champions around their role so that was with the 600 local residents around how how much did they value their role as a champion did they think it's been affected and the feedback we got was really positive in terms of how much they valued being a community champion having a, a sort of role in covid in terms of being that conduit to get them key messages out but also some really practical things that we're going to take forward so things like wanting more formalized training around the role and um, you know things like um, if they could have like a lanyard so people in the community could identify them as a community champion and know that they could be a point of contact for information and you know the whole point of you know the evaluation you know yes we want to evaluate the effectiveness of the champions and the impact it's had on behaviors and then look to take that forward in terms of other behaviors and other areas of work that we can use the champions for we don't want them just to be around covid you know we're keen to really have some legacy to this program and that's why it's really great that we're able to work with the LGA and do this sort of evaluation of the program you know to really roll it out in terms of sort of business as usual as we move forward. Are there any sort of early plans for what next for the community connectors and the community champions any any 
sort of ideas that the council's thinking through around what next they could do? So pre-COVID, the community connectors were very much, like I say, door knocking in. And, and what they do is they work with that individual. They don't do for that individual. They handhold that for that individual and encourage them to do for themselves to address any issues that's affecting their health and well-being. So that could be someone wants to go into volunteering, someone wants to go to into employment. But for another individual, it could be actually they haven't left the house for over 10 years and actually just getting them to go to the gate is a big step for them and just getting them out into the community. They also do a lot of work in terms of community development, getting new groups established, you know, um, addressing social isolation. So we're keen to sort of move them from that sort of reactive that they've been doing through the pandemic to back to a bit of business as usual. So really getting back out into the, you know, into the heart of our communities and really working with individuals which they've had to do a bit of arm's length through the pandemic i think for you know the the champions we've and we're, we've got a big regeneration program that's going to be happening and we're really keen as a council i think to maybe use them community champions to get some key messages to our community around some of our regeneration projects moving forward um, and really do look to do that engagement the other thing that we're looking to do is um have an insights team based within the public health team. So we're, we're just working with HR to, to get them job descriptions evaluated, but really looking at having that insights team based within the team, because I think what the pandemic and this work has really shown us is how valuable insights are in terms of that, you know, behavioural science moving forward. So we're really excited to have that team up and running. And that will be not just working along across public health, it's working across the whole of the council. Yeah, so that's fantastic. You're going to have that resource, that dedicated resource, as you say, not just within public health, but across the council, as well as having the community resource with the community connectors and the champions. I mean, a thing that jumped to mind really there was was the link between climate change engagement uh, yeah. and the role these guys could be playing maybe in that, in some of those messages out there as a, the trusted messenger within the community um, to maybe encourage a behaviour change in relation to what's the local community's role in terms of climate change. So just a quick idea there leave yeah. you with that one um <laughs> that's great great stuff so so where we've got to is we've got a, a clear behavior identified you know, encouraging adherence to covid19 restrictions and regulations and and using your clear messenger of community connectors and and the community champions um so bearing that in mind what was the intervention that this project has has come up with so the idea is that we're going to implement, like I say, some training package for people in terms of, um, you know, a bit more training around some of the guidance. Obviously, it's been a bit tricky is what I would say, because the guidance has changed so much probably since May time. So actually, you know, some of the some of the adherence and the guidance that we would have looked at is actually not relevant anymore because it's not sort of. Um, the government aren't saying that that's sort of the behaviours we need to follow anymore. So that's where it's been a bit tricky, probably the timing of this is what I would say. Um, but we are going to look to implement some training around sort of the basic behaviours that we still want people to follow. So sort of basic, I'd say, health protection, so face, hand, space, all that, you know, them key public health messages that isn't just around COVID, I suppose. It could be around, you know, 
a lot a lot of public health interventions so i think we're going to we're going to look at implementing a training package and then maybe have an enhanced training package for for a cohort of of the champions as well and in terms of interventions that were developed during that kind of initial response there was the Wirral info bank and that was a digital space and a portal that people could access to get sources of support from everything real because if you think about the the range of behaviors and lifestyle impacts that the pandemic had on individuals lives it really did range from the things we never even thought of at the beginning so what that did was but it was there was two prongs to that one was that was a signpost and resource for people to be able to access support but also it was a way for us to monitor the metrics to see what people were needing support with so that we were then able to tailor our existing interventions to make sure that we were matching the need. And that I see that as a resource, as Nikki said, that that has sustainability and longevity beyond the pandemic, because we're always going to need to be able to signpost to services in local areas. And if people can already have a step up on that and know what it is that they're already looking for within that resource. And it is a very easily navigatable space as well, which makes that, uh, I think, quite a a coup in terms of the the world COVID response because I don't see that happening a lot elsewhere that info bank space I think it's great. Would it be okay for us to connect you know have the link to that in the show notes? Yeah, yeah I think it'd be great so, so we can you know divert other councils to have a look at that and see what they could adapt and and uh and use to set up their own potential info bank as well so yeah excellent we'll, the, we'll do that. The, the community connectors um um, service the info bank so they they do all the upkeep to that that you know they're out doing the asset mapping as well currently to to you know recognize what you know what new things have started during covid and, and other things will have gone obviously so they're out there doing the asset mapping and they deal with all the upkeep of that that system as well great stuff so sustained by the community connectors but yeah. it continues to, to evolve in that way and it's i guess that real time at the community level information yeah Great stuff back to the training so the, the intervention of the training package so who will the training package be for it will be for the community champions and the community connectors so training package for all of them and then you mentioned an enhanced package for a, a smaller cohort cohort yeah just so we can we can measure the impact okay so you'll measure so that's sort of my next question really was what how are you planning to measure the impact of that intervention so we're just currently undertaking a baseline survey with a, with sort of a general public survey around behaviours. We're then going to implement the training and then repeat the survey. Unfortunately, Rory was unable to attend this second part of the podcast, so we'll pick up where we left off with Nikki. So Nikki, in terms of the results of the intervention, what were the findings? Yeah, so we had some really great feedback, particularly from the Community Champions programme. So we found that almost 45% of Community Champions had been a champion for over 18 months um, across the evaluation. So that indicated to us there was a really high level of commitment to the programme and wanting to be them Community Champions. Many told us they've become champions to combat that misinformation, receive and share information about COVID-19, um, and help to reach hard to reach groups to make sure they had the right information and to support local businesses. When we asked around sort of what as communication channels they used most effectively for that, many said they used email and face to face as ways of communicating that information to the community. 
We also, which was really positive, was just over a third of champions felt that their role really motivated the community to change their behaviour to some degree. Um, so we were really pleased that champions sort of valued the role and felt like it was um, a really meaningful role. Um, in terms of we did the baseline survey with the general public in autumn 2021 and then we obviously re repeated that in spring 2022. There was an apparent drop in awareness of the Community Champions Programme between them times and um, it was a drop of 13%. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, COVID has changed over the nature of this evaluation and that's one of the things I would say. We have had to sort of adopt the evaluation as we've gone along, given the change in restrictions. Um, I think people's enthusiasm for COVID has waned over the period of this evaluation. So we weren't that taken aback, I suppose, by sort of um, that lack of awareness around the community champions and um, being that communication channel for COVID. What was also great was community champions really wanted to remain as community champions going forward with the programme. And I'll go on to talk a little bit more about that, but um, with a focus around maybe some different behaviours. So some suggestions were around mental and physical health, asylum seeker support um, and support for families in poverty. So I think there's some real sort of big topics um, for public health coming up that we can really use the champions um, for going forward. We'd also asked um, around some of the COVID protective measures um, and I think it's fair to say across all the measures we'd seen a decline between the baseline survey in autumn 2021 and spring 2022 and I think again um, changes in legislation and um, you know different information coming out, COVID being less prevalent all factored into that so We'd seen people saying they um, they weren't adhering to social distancing, they weren't wearing masks outdoors, um, they weren't using the hand gel, although they were continuing to wash their hands um, and cover their mouth and nose when coughing and sneezing. Um, one thing that stood out was people um, were testing a lot less, that had gone down from 66% to 46%. And again, the barriers that were highlighted for that is now that there was a cost involved with testing and um, people again because of some of the social and economic factors and um, didn't want to to pay for tests and also people saying that they only wanted to test if they were ill so all valuable insight and um, that we've gathered which um, we can really take forward I presented this to the health protection board in Wirral yesterday and they were really keen to some of the lessons we can learn for the wider health protection system around this as well going forward. So that's really great. The third um, element that we evaluated was we um, distributed some campaign material through the champions and wanted to really test the effectiveness of that as an intervention. Um, only 9% of respondents recalled seeing the campaign and 72% they said they had no recall at all. Um, which was slightly disappointing, I think it was fair to say. But again, I think a lot of that is to do with the um, people are tired of taking precautions, tired of worrying about COVID. Um, you know, there was there was definitely a, um, feedback around um, they were almost information overload around COVID. So people were just sort of switching off from that. And I think there's something around 
um, the champions themselves, you know, ensuring that they are still active champions, which is probably something we will look to do um, moving forward to. You know, are they still forwarding that information on? Are they still speaking to people around COVID? And I think, um, you know, a, a big lesson learned from this is sort of the change in nature of the pandemic. We've definitely seen that sort of span out throughout this evaluation in terms of enthusiasm and um, sort of people's interest in COVID. Um, in terms of what we've learned, I think we what we've learned is there's been some real shifts in attitudes towards COVID and COVID safe behaviours and people definitely feel less at risk. There's been many social and economic changes that have contributed to the people's change in attitudes. Um, some members of the public have taken sort of a defensive stance against the government recommendations after being confused about the changing rules during the pandemic and this misinformation um, uh, during the pandemic has led to a lack of trust and that information overload um, has caused the public to disengage from some of the messaging around COVID-19 and COVID safe behaviours such as mask wearing or vaccination for travel with them not being mandated they're therefore likely to occur a lot less. Um, but I do think what it has told us is if that enthusiasm is there like it was at the start of the pandemic, then there is absolutely a role for COVID champions in terms of a intervention for behaviour change, as we saw at the start of the pandemic, in terms of getting them key messages to our hard to reach communities. It absolutely um, was effective, but less so effective now that interest has waned. In terms of next steps for the programme. Sorry, sorry, Nikki. Sorry, sorry, Nikki, to interrupt. Just so it's it's that point around almost the fatigue is sort of yeah, set in rather is, yeah. than where at the start when you had there was high energy, everyone, you know, wanted to do these things. The the COVID champions and those that um sort of tool to communicate with your local residents worked really well because there was that energy there. And it's more the national context and the wider context than rather than the COVID champion role in itself that has changed things is that a fair yeah, summary that's absolutely yeah that's absolutely correct and I think um you know it is that common goal as well at the beginning of the pandemic yeah. it was sort of the one thing everybody was focused on whether that was the champions or the general public but actually things have moved on now you know people have almost gone back to to the way life was and COVID just isn't as prevalent in people's minds, whether that's through them it want them wanting it to be or through them just not, you know, not wanting to hear about it anymore. But um that's absolutely correct in terms of what you're saying, that fatigue. I think we've definitely seen that throughout the evaluation. And you mentioned there about in terms of the champions, they they had a couple of suggestions of what next you could do with them. So I guess that's my next question really is what what are the next steps for the council for this project yes yeah, so we're really keen to develop the program now going forward so um there's a program of work to help boost uptake to the program but also to do a segmentation of champions by their desired interest or area so for instance we might have climate change champions we might have mental health champions we might have um, digital champions um, but really keen to really understand where that interest and passion lies within them champions because like we've just spoke about we know if we can capture that then that's where we get the most effective use of the champions in terms of that distributing key messages and information to the public 
The second development we want with the programme is to make it a lot more interactive. At the minute, it feels very much as a council, we're just giving information out and we want to make it a lot more interactive so we can feed that insight back in from um, from our champions around what you know what them areas of interest so we've spoke about maybe having an online forum or whatsapp groups for you know for each of the segmented interest segmented interest or area so um really keen to develop it in that way and really integrate it because obviously public health have driven this from a covid perspective but really look to integrate the champions program across the wider council and partners work so really linking it up for instance we have a climate change cool Wirral strategy so really keen to in link up the climate change um champions for instance with that work program so it's not just um belong to public health but the rest of the council feel the benefit of using that as a key engagement tool and then the final thing was we, in, in public health we've just recruited to a qualitative insight team which we're really pleased to, with, you know, we're really keen to sort of build on the behavioural insights work that we've done um, and the Champions programme will move into that team um, and be used as a key engagement tool again for that insights team and, and thinking about that more interactive two-way process. Um, we're really excited to have this new team and this new resource and I think it is really going to be invaluable going forward. Nikki, something come up about like the cost of living crisis and yeah has that come up as a, a theme that the COVID champions could potentially pivot into? Yes it is and it's one of the key areas of work for the new qualitative insight team so that's something that that, that we've picked up as part of their work programme but um, absolutely so the families living in poverty was one of the big things that came out that champions were really keen to explore further. Yeah definitely definitely a really huge uh, issue at the moment so interested to see what ways council goes with that definitely in the future so thanks so much for that Nikki I think mean, what we like to finish the podcast episodes with is you know for those busy council members and officers out there who've been listening in thinking how do we implement something similar in our own council so I like to ask all our speakers really at the end of the podcast to say what are your top three tips for another council looking to implement a similar type of project I think um, number one would be take the time to build them relationships with communities. Um, it can be time consuming, but I think you will really reap the benefits um, of taking that time to build them relationships and, and them networks. I think the second thing is um, really listen. And when I say listen, I mean really listen to what people are telling you and be prepared to act upon that. And I think the third thing is always remember to say thank you because a lot of the champions are volunteers, so they're not getting paid to contribute. So um, always, I think that's that always goes a long way with people, just that acknowledgement and thank you. And this is probably a fourth one, sorry, is to feed back as well what you've done as a consequence of listening to people. So you told us this and this is what we've done as a consequence because I think a lot of the time we ask people a lot but we don't always do that feedback loop. And I think that's really important to our communities. Brilliant, thanks. I'm going to take your third tip there, Nikki, and thank you for your <laughs> time today in sharing the story of, of the Behavioural Insights work you've been doing in Wirral. Wish you all the best with the new Insights team and look forward to seeing the future of the work um, that you do at the Council. Thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
And thanks to all of you for listening to the latest episode of the Nudges for Good podcast. Um, what we'd like is a bit of interaction really with you guys, I guess the listeners. So please do feel free to email us at behavioural.insights at local.gov.uk. If you'd like to suggest any topics or any particular speakers that you'd like to have featured on the podcast, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Thanks again for listening and please do share the podcast with your colleagues and friends.